like some people say, oh, you know, like don't like tr- maybe don't use the word fail. And I'm like, why not? Like it's okay <laughs> yeah. to fail. Like it's right. okay. Like we we yeah. all do it. Babies do it all the time when they're learning to walk. They fall yeah. and they fall and they fall. So they fail. And we expect it. Exactly. And we expect it. Right. Yeah. Like right. why? Like let's all expect entrepreneurs to fail. It's okay. Doesn't mean that they have to yeah. just like like walk away from their dreams. This podcast is brought to you by Dentons, the world's largest law firm with a global team that builds agile, tailored solutions to meet the local, national, and global needs of private and public clients of any size in 183 locations serving 75 countries. Hi, everyone. My name is Heather Barnhouse, partner and lawyer in our Edmonton office. Welcome to my podcast, where I explore the topic of women in entrepreneurship and leadership and the ecosystem supporting the growth of this segment. Today, I'm joined by Deidre Helmig, owner of Boreal Services Group, Inc. I'm excited to talk to her today about her entrepreneurial journey. Welcome, Deidre. Hi, Heather. Thanks so much for having me. Can you give our listeners a little background about you, what you do, and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Our business, Boreal Services Group, is a safety and engineering consulting firm, but it started with just safety, and it was kind of a, like, I kind of hate to say it, but it was a bit of a, an <laughs> accidental business. I think lots are. They kind of are. It's funny how we end up on these paths. And, and mm-hmm. when we get to a certain point, we look back and we're like, how the heck did I get here? Like, how did that happen? <laughs> that happened. But, right. yeah, my background is in botany. That's, that's wow. my education and really my passion is. I love botany. I love plants. I love the forest. And, and that's where the name Boreal came from, actually, is because my love oh, forest. But when I was home full time with my youngest daughter, Iris, I um I was home happily being a mom and my parents and my brother, they have a business in Hinton and they called me up one day and they said, Deidre, we need a safety manual. Can you write it for us? And I was like, no, of course I can. I know nothing about safety. Like uh, I'm, I'm a botanist. And they said, no, like you're a great writer. We'll put you through these courses. You can do it all from home. And we know that you can do this for us. We'll pay you. It'll be great. Can you do this for us? And I was like, well, you know what? Sure. Like we can use the money and I could use my brain instead of just being a mom. And sure, let's do this. And so that led to me working for the family business and being their safety officer. And they were in Hinton. I'm in Edmonton. And so I would drive out there once a month and um, work in the office or work in their shop and take care of all their safety needs. And so about three years into this, I was picking up my other daughter at school and uh, hanging out on the playground with the other parents, as, as you do. And one right. of the parents, one of the dads asked me, did you, what do you do for a living? And I said, oh, I run my family's safety program. And he said, what? He said, I need a safety manual. Can you write one for me? <laughs> and I was like, well, I... I suppose I could. If I've done one, I could probably do another. And so I wrote one for him and I charged a whopping $500 because I had no idea what to charge for something like this. And he was really happy with it. And he started telling all of his 
friends and colleagues about me. And pretty soon I was swamped with, well, I learned very quickly to charge a lot more. And I was swamped right. with, um, with clients from him. And I ended up pretty soon quitting working for my family. And I still do have, like, that particular person is still one of my clients. And plenty of my longtime clients has come from that referral. So that's how the business started eight years ago. And wow. a year after I started the safety consulting side, my husband, who was an engineer with PCL Construction for 16 years, thought, that looks like a lot of fun. Maybe I'm going to join you, too. And so that's he quit PCL and joined me, and we added on engineering consulting to Boreal as well. Uh, we've been doing running the business together for seven years. Who knew that a botanist could write such compelling safety manuals that there would be demand on the playground for safety manuals? I know, right? I think, I mean, I don't know if it has anything to do with botany either, but I think what's really important <laughs> is that being a small business owner, and all of my clients are small businesses, that's what's really important to me is since I'm a small business owner, I know the value in having tools and resources that that get stuff right. done, right? That really right. accomplishes something that isn't isn't full of fluff. And so I see some manuals because sometimes people hire me. They're like, "We've got the safety manual and it's not working for us." And I start looking through it, and I'm like, "Well, no kidding! Like you guys are right. jumping through hoops you don't have to jump through, and you guys are doing all kinds of." crap you don't need to be doing and this doesn't even apply to your business or this doesn't even apply to legislation in Alberta and holy no wonder like you guys are spending bundles of time and money on your safety program and you don't have to be and as a safety or as a small business owner when I'm doing things that I don't need to be doing when I realize I'm doing things I don't need to be doing then I'm just like oh that's yeah that's a drag that's a drag. And, and, and you, there's so many other things that you need to spend your time on to find out that you're you know, spending time on something that you don't need to is, uh, is a sad realization. So entrepreneurship is a, is a difficult road for many. And we've heard from many of our prior podcast guests uh, that, that the road is long and winding. And it's well known that, that women still disproportionately bear the burden of household responsibilities, child, aging parent, caregiving responsibilities, etc., for women entrepreneurs like yourself, it can be difficult to manage all of those balls in the air. Do you have any comments on what that aspect has looked like for you and how you've tried to achieve that elusive work-life balance? I, I noticed that you commented that your your family business drew you back from a, a maternity leave. How how have you tried to achieve that balance in your in your small business? I think I can best answer that by telling another story, if that's okay. Sure. A few years back, you know, I was going down a path with my business where, where I thought success meant growing, growing, growing. And, mm-hmm. and that's what we were doing. We got office space, we hired staff, we were scaling, we were growing both in terms of numbers and in terms of recognition. And so a lot of people were giving us us all sorts of pats on the backs and that sort of thing saying we're a success story. We're so successful. We're so successful. And, and it felt really good, but I was increasingly becoming more and more unhappy. Hmm. And why? I think it's because all of a sudden my, um, that balance was gone. Hmm. You know, yep. when I was building the business, when it was just me or when it was just myself and Dean, 
and working from home, I walked the dog every day for like a good hour, hour and a half in, in the ravine by our house. I was available to take my kids, go with them on field trips or be home with them if they were sick and couldn't go to school or go for lunch with a friend if they wanted to or whatever, right? Like I was able to do all of that and not worry about it. But as soon as I had staff, all of a sudden I felt like I had to be at the office before they were. So I had that very clear, like I was at the office by 7.30 every morning and I wouldn't leave until 5.30 or 6 o'clock. And so then it was a rush to get home and make dinner and and Dean was doing the same and and I wasn't feeling successful. Like before we had staff in the office, at one point we took the family, including my parents, and we went to Ireland. And we didn't tell our clients at all because we could do our work. So right. here we are tootling around Ireland, doing our work early, early in the morning, getting our work done, sightseeing, doing a bit more work in the evening, having a blast, living the life. And mm-hmm. our clients didn't even know. And I was like, that's success. Like, that's the life, not being home here in Edmonton and being stuck at what felt like a job, right? Right. Like that, to me, I was just really unhappy. And so almost, I I wouldn't say overnight, but within probably about six weeks, we made the decision and implemented it to break our lease and to let go of our staff and just scale everything back and move back home into our home office and run the business with just me and Dean and and hire contractors whenever we needed them. So that just brought all of that balance. I shouldn't say all of it back into like There's no such thing as balance. So recognizing that was really important to you, that sometimes it feels great and sometimes it feels out of balance and you're working more than like work is more of a priority and sometimes life is more of a priority and that's just kind of the way it is. But now it just seems... I'm just a lot happier. That, that, that's great. And I think, I think that gives you, you know, it sounds to me like, like that can be summarized as, as flexibility, right? Like where, where you're tied down and, and there's the expectation of you'll be in the office from 7.30 every morning until 5.30 or 6 and you're managing a large group of people and you've got to check in with your team and you've got to manage all these expectations. It sounds like there, there's not a lot of room for the, for the flexibility that, that you appreciated previously where you had, you know, some opportunities in the middle of the day to take the dog for a walk or to, as you say, pack up and go on an overseas adventure and still you're still accountable to your clients, but you're doing it more on, on your terms as opposed to what the expected terms are uh, for for us a, a growing and scaling business. It's very interesting to me that you, you know, you you were on this path of growth and then you decided purposely to contract and make it a little bit more closer to home in, in a lot of different ways. And you talked about that in in the frame of success and what what the concept of success sort of looked like or maybe what it didn't feel like and maybe what the expectations were. Do you think that that's a static thing, um, the the concept of success, or do you think that over one's lifetime, so maybe as you know, female entrepreneurs and their kids grow up and they maybe have an empty nest, do you think that 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 has to always look a certain way, or is there that flexibility for that definition of success to morph as someone's life changes a little bit as well? Oh, I think absolutely. I mean, everybody's goals and everybody everybody's desires and that sort of thing is always changing, right? And even my definition of success changed 
as I got to know myself better. So I wouldn't say that my definition of success originally was wrong. I think I just, once I had that, then I realized, oh, this doesn't make me happy. This doesn't feel good to me. And so, so it changed. So maybe I, once I reached that, then I was like, oh, nope, let's bring it back. You know, and now yeah. that like my kids are getting older, one's in university now, the other is in junior high. And so we're looking at the next phase and what that version of success is. Like, I don't necessarily need to have the flexibility so that I can go on field trips and that sort of thing anymore. But right. um, I want to have the flexibility so that maybe I can go on trips by myself or maybe in six or seven years when Iris, our youngest, is in university, maybe we'll take longer trips and mm-hmm. but still be able to work from abroad for a few months or something like that. So, so yeah, I think that definition of success always changing is as we're changing and the dynamics within families and our other responsibilities are changing and that sort of thing too. Like you also mentioned having aging parents and that sort of thing. So like right now, my parents are kind of at that point where I'm not the caregiver, but there's definitely a requirement for me to stay close to home. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. For me being able to stay close to home. And when I say home, I mean Hinton um, right. and be able to pick up and leave whenever they need me to go to Hinton. I can do that right now. So that's to me very successful. That's how I've organized my business now. That, that's great. I also think it's interesting that, you know, you came to this, this idea. Well, for, I think you've been ahead of the trend maybe for, for a number of, uh, for a number of years. Um, you know, you worked from home before all of us worked from home. Um, and I think that certainly the, the, you know, the pandemic has taught us uh, as a society from an expectation management perspective about what is doable. And, and you know, maybe clients don't think you need to be in the office 24-7 uh, to get their work done. And they recognize that people can get work done working from home or working remotely or working, you know, from abroad. Uh, and that there isn't so much tied to the physical location of where that work gets done, which, which brings in that concept of, you know, work-life balance or work-life, you know, trying to find a balance balance and the, the, the shifts that come throughout one's entrepreneurial journey with small children, with aging parents, and sometimes you need to stay on the same continent and sometimes maybe you can take longer vacations and you, you still find a way to, to meet the demands of the clients, obviously, but you can do so more on, on your terms. And I think that's getting to be more accepted, uh, particularly as a result of everybody working from home these last several months. Yeah. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. It's just made so many things possible that that everything right. has said has been impossible. And right. since we had to do it, all of a sudden they're possible. So I think it's been a real, um, a good thing in that way, in that way, this pandemic. I, I agree. And I think many of those things that we previously thought were impossible are here to stay now in a, in a very positive way. Related to that, I know you've you've really touched on the concept of success and what it means and how it might evolve or or morph a little bit along the the entrepreneurial journey. What do you most love about the entrepreneurial journey? What wisdoms would you have to share with entrepreneurs who are just starting out? I think a lot about the word success, and I think yeah. a lot about the word failure as well. Because this business isn't my first step into the world of entrepreneurship. I, I've actually had three kind of four other businesses <laughs> before this. I did um, environmentally friendly event planning 
and I also did reflexology, and I also did, although this uh, this other one really never launched anything, but it was it was kind of a thing for um, women in um, in their thirties and helping them define what they want to do with their lives, sort of thing. And I made a little bit of money with the first two, with the event planning and with the reflexology, and um, but they never quite turned into anything major. Like after a year or two, they both kind of fizzled because of whatever reason. One, in one case, my oldest daughter was a baby. In the other case, my youngest daughter was a baby. Some people might say, oh, you've had a number of failed businesses. <laughs> and, mm. and people have said that to me. And I'm like, oh, I guess. <laughs> I can't just say, oh, it's because my babies were babies that they just right. didn't work out. I also didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to price myself properly. I didn't know how to um, find the right suppliers. Like there were a million things I didn't know, but right. I learned so much from every single transaction, from every single client I had, from every single mistake I made, right? Like you mm-hmm. learn and you learn and you learn and you learn. And maybe it was because I was younger then too, that I wasn't nearly as I wasn't all that afraid. Like I didn't have, I guess, as much to lose. And so right. I would just do it and be like, okay, let's go do it. <laughs> off I let's go. see how and this works. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so often now I hear people say to me, oh, I'd love to be an entrepreneur, but I'm too scared to. And I'm like, scared of what? Like, what are you scared of? Oh, I'm scared of failing. And it's like, yeah, like failing sucks, but you have to think of it more in terms of an, an experiment, right? Like, you can't right. think of, oh, I'm scared to start a business because it might fail. Something that you do in your business might fail. And then you change right. that. Like you treat it as right. an experiment. Like I'm right. going to try selling, I don't know, pink balloons. Oh, nobody wants pink balloons. So I'm going to sell blue balloons. Like you just switch it. You just do a little pivot yeah. and try something a little bit different, right? And that's how like... I've tried a million things with Boreal that haven't worked, but I've also mm-hmm. tried a handful of things that have worked really, really well. And right. that's why we're doing as well as we are right now. Right. I think that people get hung up on a business is only successful if they are growing and if they have a, a beautiful office overlooking the river and if they have a ton of staff and if they, are on the magazine covers and if they have all this amazing stuff and it's like, well, you have to figure out your version of success. Mm -hmm. And you have to be true to what your version of success is. Exactly. And I know that I got caught up in other people's versions of success. And that's where I think, that's where I think people can get caught up with worrying about failing because if they're Mm -hmm. worried about somebody else's version of success, then they're worried about failing there. Right. If they're right. only worried about their version of success, then just go and do it, right? Like just just make yeah. that piece happen and it'll happen. I think it's interesting that you started off, um, you know, at the beginning saying, well, you know, I was a I was a botanist and I sort of accidentally fell, fell into this business when, you know, when your parents reached out and wanted you to, to draft a safety manual. And that's sort of what, what got you into that. And, and you, you know, you sort of joked about how, you were a bit of an accidental entrepreneur, and and I think that I think what you're saying around around the concept of failure and and people's definitions of success, I think what's really important is that 
you you will fail. Like you you will not everything is going to go as as you want it to. And as you you know you've talked about some examples about how you didn't know how to price price a, an offering or you didn't know what it was worth or you didn't know how long it would take and you're going to make some mistakes along the way. But I think that if you have that entrepreneurial spirit and you are you have some time for some self reflection for what does success look like, the great thing about failure is that it teaches you so much. And if you're willing to apply the lessons, then I think you can, you know, apply it uh, to your own version of success. Where I think I see people fail is they, one of two ways. One, they have this dream or they have this vision of what their company must look like with with no data, right? Like they just have this idea that this is what it'll look like, but they don't really know that. And then when when there are failures or where there are mistakes or where there are things that don't go as expected, like a pandemic, for example, and and their vision isn't realized, they think, okay, well now I failed, as opposed to saying, well, you know, to your example about, well, the pink balloons didn't work, but maybe the blue ones will. How do we take those lessons and how do we take the things that are working and and mold it a little bit so that the business can continue on in a way that is, uh, you know, still reflective of, of the fact that I want to be an entrepreneur and that I want to provide this service or product, um, maybe looking a little bit differently than you originally thought, but being so much more reflective of what your audience or your customers are willing to pay for and, and want, Right. And I think that it's really important too to figure out like what what is really important at the end of the day for you. Like like what do you want to accomplish with your business? Does it matter that they want the blue balloons? Is it right. who really cares what they want? If you're making your customer happy, if that's your goal, if if those are your values to serve those customers, then it doesn't really matter that you're not giving the right. red pink balloons. So you also have to kind of figure out like what like what is your goal? Like what is your what is your version of success for the people that you're serving? Not just for right. you, but also for the people that you're serving. Yeah, and I think I mean I think that really goes to the comment that you made about, you know, when when people will say to you, "Hey, I I really want to be an entrepreneur, but I'm I'm scared." And I I love your response of like, "What are you scared of? Like you're going to have some mistakes, you're going to have some failures, but just go out there and 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 do it anyway." And I think I think the the real message that I'm hearing from you is get some clarity on why you want to be an entrepreneur. What what do you what service or product do you want to provide and how do you want that to be received from your customers and anything and everything around that like you need to get clarity on what that message is and all the rest of it really doesn't matter there's probably a hundred different ways that you could achieve that and still have that be considered a success like some people say oh you know like don't like maybe don't use the word fail and i'm like why not like it's okay <laughs> yeah. to fail. Like it's right. okay. Like we we yeah. all do it. Babies do it all the time when they're learning to walk. They fall yeah. and they fall and they fall. So they fail. And we like, expect it. Exactly. Yeah, and we expect it. Right. Yeah. Like right. why? Like let's all expect entrepreneurs to fail. It's okay. It doesn't mean that they have to yeah. just like like walk away from their dreams. I think that's such a great message to leave with our with our listeners is that, you know, failure is okay and let's help support the entrepreneurs in the failures so that they can gain that clarity and then move that forward in their own entrepreneurial journey. Well, thank you, Deidre, for spending some time with us today. It was great to hear about your accidental business and uh, learn more about what you've done. 
Well, thank you so much, Heather. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciated it. Thank you for joining the podcast today. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe or follow to get notified when we have an update. Thank you.